Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. It's almost here, isn't it? Even if we aren't going outside in the same way that we would say in years past, Halloween is almost here. You can feel the energy of it. This entire month has just been fraught with it. Traveling all over the skin, the anticipation, the wait is almost over. You know, life's stories are like a pumpkin pail of candy filled with unexpected treats, tricks, and monstrosities. You never know what you'll pull out of it. And every turn, a new surprise tale waits to be unwrapped. It may be something sweet or as sharp as a razor blade. You may get cut. You may be cursed or worse, pulling from your bag of monstrosities. Before we get to the stories today, I want to tell you about a spooky surprise we have coming just in time for Halloween. A new series, a supernatural thriller called the Shadow Diaries. Go to Spotify and check out the trailer and hit follow. I'll be sharing a few more details about it next week, but trust me, it's going to be scary. And, well, I'll leave you there for now. First, just one bite of stolen candy has horrific consequences. And then, a creepy sibling rivalry goes too far. Followed by the ringing phone you must not answer. And finally we bring you the conclusion of Jeff the Killer, our abridged retelling of the anonymous creepypasta. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you love what we're doing here, then support our Patreon for more scary content. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast or weekly video and see ad-free episodes. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Tricky Treats It's Halloween. And the rules of trick-or-treating are simple. Always wear a costume. Never give a trick if you get a treat. And never, ever take more than your fair share. Break these rules at your own risk. 
because all sorts of spirits and tricksters are watching and waiting for you to slip up. Alphonse and his brother Parker lugged their candy-loaded pillowcases through the neighborhood, avoiding the angry parents who had caught on to their scheme. They were too old to be trick-or-treating for the past two years and didn't even bother wearing costumes this year. It was the time of night during Halloween where people just left bowls of candy out for kids to help themselves while they went out for more adult festivities. You were only supposed to take one piece from the bowl, but that didn't matter to Alphonse and Parker. They took everything. They'd eat a lot of it, but like every year, a bunch of it would go to waste and eventually get thrown out. And yet, it still wasn't enough. If it was there for the grabbing, whether they needed it or not, they'd take it. They wanted everything, which is what led them to the one house everyone avoided. They said Dr. Elfman was some kind of mad scientist, forced into retirement from Big Pharma because she went too far with animal testing. There were even rumors that she was the one responsible for all the pets missing in the neighborhood. No one ever knocked on her door during Halloween or any other time of year because her and her house were far too creepy. And while all of that may have been true, she also had two huge untouched bowls of candy on her front porch this year. The boys each took a bowl and poured it into their bag and then headed to the park to go through their loot. Parker was the first to notice that the candy they got from Dr. Elfman's house didn't look like any candy they'd ever seen shiny green globes that almost seemed to glow from inside their wrappers. It made Alphonse nervous, and he suggested they have their parents look at the weird candy before they ate it. But Parker just laughed as he unwrapped a piece and popped it into his mouth. Suddenly, Parker started gagging and choking. He grunted for his brother's help and then fell over on the ground and didn't move. Alphonse reached out to help his brother, but he wouldn't respond. Alphonse didn't know what to do. His breathing quickened as he was about to run home for help when suddenly Parker <laughs> jumped up laughing. Trick or treat, sucker, he taunted. Alphonse was mad but couldn't help but laugh and ate one of Dr. Elfman's candies too. It was delicious. As the two brothers were packing up their spoils to head home, Parker began holding his stomach and screamed in pain. Alphonse thought it was just another prank. That is, until his brother's shirt began to rip and tear. Coarse black hair sprouted from the boy's arms and back. Parker held up both of his hands and stared at them with his now glowing eyes. Both boys watched in absolute terror as claws ripped through Parker's fingertips. The hair now grew in uneven patches all over his body. He could feel his bones and muscles rearranging under the surface of his stretching skin. He looked over at his horrified brother and tried to speak, but all he could do was hiss. Alphonse tried to talk to his brother who picked himself up off the ground. Parker used to be the shorter one, but he was now a full two feet taller, if not more. He looked like a giant human cat, 
And what was worse, he looked hungry. Alphonse began to back away, but his brother swiped at him with his newly grown claws, <gasps> slashing deep into Alphonse's skin. The boy kicked at his monstrous twin and tried to push away, but Parker was now much faster and bit hard into Alphonse's leg as he screamed in agony. Finally, Alphonse's hands found something he could use as a weapon, the full to bursting bag of candy, and swung it as hard as he could into Parker's head, distracting him just long enough so he could start running. But he only made it a few feet when his own stomach started rumbling. The rumbling began burning and exploding inside his gut, forcing him to the ground in pain. He could hear the monster behind him getting closer, but it didn't matter. He felt his shirt ripped and he watched as rough, reddish fur began to grow on his body. He realized he was transforming now too and looked back at what used to be his brother. He tried to speak, but all he could do was howl. The cat-like Parker hissed at the dog-like Alphonse and the two circled each other. Only one was leaving the park tonight. Alphonse snarled and growled and barreled into his brother. He bit into Parker's arm and shook his head ferociously, refusing to let go. Parker shrieked in pain and dug both claws into his canine brother's flesh. Alphonse yelped and released his hold, crunching low to strike again. But just as he was about to lunge at his brother, something sharp stung him in the neck and suddenly he didn't feel like eating, only sleeping. His brother closed in for the kill, but didn't make it as he was also hit with a sharp dart in the neck. Alphonse and Parker both slumped to the ground, and the last thing they saw was Dr. Elfman standing above them with a smirk in her tranquilizer gun. The doctor was so very pleased about her new creations and all the exciting experiments they would perform together. She had hoped the twins wouldn't have been able to resist those bowls of candy. She'd been watching them rampage through the neighborhood every Halloween and set that trap just for them. After all, human subjects were so hard to find. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sibling rivalries are quite common. However, when they are left unchecked, very bad things can happen. Like in this story, inspired by Briani. 
When Evelyn and Evan were younger, they were inseparable. They shared toys, books, and sometimes clothing. They even pretended to be one another, and no one would ever notice. As they got older, the twins grew apart. Evan believed it was because his sister wanted more privacy, but really, she resented her brother because he was always praised and even loved more by their parents. Why can't you be more like your brother? Her parents would lament. It tortured her. She became even colder and more distant towards her brother. She often yelled at him and would physically push him away when he got too close. Finally, she decided she had to do something about it. She decided everything would be much better without her presence in the family. After months of plotting and planning, Evelyn finally made her move one night when her parents were out of town. She waited until her brother was asleep and snuck inside his room. Evan stirred. Evie, is that you? She hadn't heard that nickname since they were children and were very close. This infuriated Evelyn. Don't call me that. She shouted as she shoved him off the bed. Evan winced and asked why was she so mad at him all the time, why she wouldn't talk to him. He wished they could be happy and have fun together like when they were younger. They always compare me to you. As long as you're perfect, they will love you more. Our parents wouldn't care if I was gone. Evelyn's anger consumed her, and she started kicking her twin brother. He cried and apologized over and over, but his innocence only made Evelyn angrier. She kept kicking him until he lost consciousness. She dragged his beaten and bloody body out to the snow and quickly went back inside to watch from the window. It wasn't long before the scent of her brother's blood drew the wolves that roamed the woods around her home. They enjoyed the easy meal while Evelyn enjoyed watching them tear her brother apart until there was nothing left of him. Evelyn smiled as the snow continued to fall outside, covering any small trace of the wolf's feast. She then calmly walked to the bathroom and began cutting her hair just like her brother's. At the end of the week, Evelyn called her parents. Mom, Dad... I'm so sorry. Evelyn ran away, she said, imitating her brother's voice. The search didn't last long. Police reported Evelyn as missing and told the family that their child was a lost cause. At that point, she could have been eaten by the wolves and there would be no trace left to track. Evelyn could now be her parents' favorite, disguised as Evan. Or, so she thought, as the months went by, her parents continued to miss their daughter, often staying up long hours, fondly remembering her and her achievements. Her plan had worked too well. Her parents finally loved Evelyn more than anyone else in the world, only now she was Evan and couldn't bask in that love. Sadness and anger overwhelmed the girl, and she made another plan. When her parents got home that night, the table was set. They were touched that their son Evan made dinner for them. He even made a place at the table for their dearly departed daughter. After they finished their meal, Evan excused himself. He had a surprise for them. After a short amount of time, they were astonished when Evelyn entered the room. The girl confessed everything to her parents. How she murdered her twin brother and left him for the wolves. How she took on Evan's identity and faked her own death. How she did it all for their love 
and their approval. At first, our parents didn't believe it. They thought Evan was wearing his sister's clothes, but as the girl continued to speak, they saw it was truly her. As the truth of their actions dawned on them both, of what they'd had and how horrendously it had been lost due to what they'd encouraged, a harmless sibling rivalry. Like their daughter, it drove them insane. Overcome with agony, they left the house and ran into the woods. Maybe it was a mad attempt after all this time to somehow find Evan and fix their mistake. Maybe it was in shame, hoping the same wolves that took him would also take them. Either way, Evelyn stood frozen, watching the wolves attack and tear her parents apart, watching from the same window as she went from an only child to an orphan. Evelyn spent the rest of her life in a psychiatric hospital, but she wasn't alone because of the wolves. The howling, feasting wolves were always in her head as company. Thank you so much, Brienne, for inspiring this story for us. I have a younger brother, and while I would never feed him to the wolves, never, never, ever, ever, there are times when I could think, hmm, might not be such a bad way for him to go. Of course, since he's still alive and well, I never would go through with anything like that, but sometimes he gets a look in his eye and I wonder if he would think the same thing about me. Listeners, do you know of any missing person reports where you suspect foul play? Where a family member conveniently benefited? If so, send us those stories to somethingscary at snarled.com. The call is coming from inside the house, but this time... It's in an unexpected way. In this story, inspired by Andy. Dear Marquia, I have been watching and listening to Something Scary Stories for a few years now. I love the stories and how they are told. I love listening to the podcasts whenever I'm studying or drawing because they help me to focus. So I've decided to finally send in my own scary story. I wrote this a few years ago for my creative writing exam. I hope you enjoy it. Sincerely, Andy. There it was. That stupid phone rang again for the third time tonight. It was one of those old antique phones with the spinning dial. It would happen at least once a week, ringing three different times during the night. It was a regular occurrence, and for some reason, no one in the house ever answered it. It keeps me up at night each time ringing for 20 minutes or more before finally stopping. Every time I've tried to answer it, my grand stops me and chases me back to bed. It's as if she stays up all night making sure no one answers that phone. However, tonight was different. Gran had fallen ill and my parents had taken her to the hospital, leaving me in charge of the house. Before she left, Gran reminded me to not answer the phone if it rang. It was important to her for me to remember, don't answer, no matter what. Truth be told, I hadn't thought of anything else except finally answering that phone. It was too tempting. I would finally be able to solve the mystery. I was almost too excited to sleep that night, eager for what once had annoyed me. At 3 a.m. on the dot, 
I woke to the same awful ringing right on time. I rushed downstairs and picked up the phone. There was nothing on the other end except loud breathing and slight static. Suddenly, whoever was on the other end started laughing. The laugh made my insides turn and it sent a shiver up my spine. The laugh was deep and menacing. It sounded almost like the grinding of metal and stone. Then a deep, almost broken voice said, You should have listened to your gran. I then saw my own cell phone buzzing on the small end table next to the phone. How did it get there? I remember leaving it in my room. It was a text from gran. We're on our way. Hide. Suddenly, there was a loud banging coming from the attic. I heard the attic door fall open along with the sound of the ladder falling down. I was petrified. I couldn't move. After gaining back some of my willpower, I slowly turned around, and on the platform of the stairs stood a sickly, blackish-gray thing on all fours. It had sharp, jagged black teeth and no eyes. Its limbs were bent in an odd, crooked, broken way with the bones almost sticking out. Its skin was wrapped so tightly around its skeleton it was almost translucent. Then it was suddenly behind me. You should have listened, it said over and over, almost tauntingly before laughing again as it did earlier. I was dragged into the darkness and felt my skin ripped apart. The shock made me black out. When I regained consciousness, I heard crying. On all fours, I tried to feel where I was. There was no light, but I felt as if I was right above the sounds. From the vent, I peered down and saw my gran and parents crying over my body. It was ripped apart, but I was still here. Just like your brother, gran sobbed at my mother. I cried and yelled for them until my throat felt raw and then banged and clawed at the attic floor. Overwhelmed with desperation and despair, I felt my way around the vast and empty attic that had no exit, still trying to escape or get my family's attention. I don't know how long I was searching before I found what felt like a phone. I couldn't see the numbers, but I knew I had to dial it to call them, and I would try until I got the number right. Finally, late one night, I heard the old phone ringing below me. I had the number, but no one would pick up. Despair was replaced by anger as I dialed the number over and over, night after night. Slowly, I stopped remembering why I was up there making that call. Only the rage was left, and I knew that I would take it out on whoever finally answered that phone. Thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your story with us and inspiring this tale. I very much enjoy this. I love stories felled by our own hubris or when we just won't listen to a warning. I love stories where we end up becoming the monsters in the end. So listeners, do you think that the caller, the original caller, was the narrator's uncle? since that's what Gran said to the mother, and that somehow this house curses whoever picks up the phone to become the next demon behind its walls. I'll be honest, 
a small part of me kind of wants to get an antique phone just to be able to find out for sure. We conclude our retelling of the original creepypasta, Jeff the Killer. Our story picks up after Jeff's brother, Lou, confessed to and was arrested for stabbing the bullies that had harassed them first in their new neighborhood, even though those crimes were done by Jeff himself. The light shone bright in Jeff's room. It was the day of the neighbor kid's birthday party that his mother still wanted to drag him to despite his brother's arrest. They crossed the street over to Barbara and Billy's house. Jeff walked out back to a yard full of kids that were all running around in weird cowboy costumes. One of them came up to him and handed him a toy gun and hat. Hey, wanna play? He said. Ah, no kid, I'm way too old for this stuff. The kid looked at him with that weird puppy dog face. Fine, said Jeff. He put on the hat. At first, he thought it was totally ridiculous, but then he started to actually have fun. It might not have been super cool, but it was the first time he had done something that took his mind off of his brother Lou, taking the fall for his crimes. So he played with the kids for a while until he heard a familiar noise. The weird rolling noise of skateboards. The same skateboards used by the bullies from the fight that got Lou arrested. Jeff realized it too late, however, as the bully saw him and jumped over the fence. Jeff dropped the fake gun and ripped off the hat as they looked at him with a burning hatred. One of them egged on the leader. Get him, Randy, as he rushed at Jeff. They both fell to the ground, knocking over a table full of alcohol. Jeff didn't care. He was out for blood. It was their fault his brother was in jail. Once again, he got that strange, dark feeling. The one he hadn't felt for a while. Not since he'd stabbed Randy. That's when it happened. Something inside Jeff snapped. His psyche destroyed, all rational thinking gone. All he wanted to do was hurt people. He grabbed the main bully, Randy, and punched him with everything he had over and over until Randy fell to the ground unconscious. Everyone looked at Jeff now. The parents, the crying kids, even the other bullies. Jeff ran inside and up the stairs. He heard the bullies follow up behind, knives ready. Jeff hit one of them with a towel rack to the face, immediately crushing their skull. The other bully dropped the knife and grabbed Jeff by the neck. He pushed Jeff into the wall. A jug of bleach fell down on top of them from the top shelf and splashed open. It burnt both of them and they both started to scream. Jeff wiped his eyes as best as he could and pulled back the towel rack and swung it straight into the bully's head. As the three of them laid there on the floor bleeding, one of the bullies smiled ominously and reached into his pocket. Jeff's eyes widened as the bully threw his ignited lighter at him. As soon as it made contact, the flames ignited the alcohol he'd crashed into earlier and combusted with the bleach on his face. Jeff let out a terrible screech and tried to roll out the fire, but it was no use. He was a walking inferno. He ran down the hall and fell down the stairs. Everybody started screaming as Jeff flailed and burned until finally he dropped to the ground, nearly dead. The last thing Jeff saw was his mother and the other parents trying to extinguish the flames. When Jeff woke, 
He had thick bandages wrapped around his face and body. He couldn't see anything, and his time at the hospital was a blur. He remembered his parents mentioning that the party witnesses testified hearing the bullies confessing to the original attack on Jeff and his brother and how Jeff stabbed them in self-defense. Lou was free and would be there when his bandages were removed. A few weeks later, the doctors unwrapped the bandages from Jeff. It was time for him to go home and everyone hoped for the best, but when they removed the bandages from his face, Jeff's mother screamed while Lou and their dad stared in absolute horror. What? What happened to my face? Jeff asked. He rushed out of bed and ran to the bathroom mirror. Jeff's lips were burnt to a deep shade of red. The skin color of his face had turned into a pure white, and his once soft brown hair was singed to a brittle black. He slowly put his hand to his face. It felt like leather. Inhuman. He looked back at his family, then back at the mirror, and then back at them once more. Jeff, said Lou, it's not that bad. Not that bad, said Jeff. It's perfect. Jeff started laughing uncontrollably as his shocked family looked at him with confusion. As he stared at them, both his left eye and left hand began to twitch. Uh, Jeff, are you okay? His brother asked. Okay, I've never felt more happy. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> this face goes perfectly with me. <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing. He stroked his face, feeling it, looking at it in the mirror. His mind, his sanity snapped. Now he was left as a crazy killing machine. Jeff looked away from the mirror, his face still formed into a crazy smile. The dark and sinister feeling grew inside him once more. Later that night, Jeff's mother woke to a sound coming from the bathroom, as if someone was crying. She slowly walked over to see what it was, and when she looked, she found a horrendous sight. Jeff had taken a knife and carved a smile into his cheeks. He looked over to his mother. I wanted to keep smiling, mommy, but I couldn't. It hurt after a while, so I fixed it. Now I can smile forever. <laughs> it was then that Jeff's mother noticed his eyes, ringed in black. His eyes were seemingly never closing. Jeff, your eyes, his mother exclaimed. I couldn't see my face, mommy. I got too tired and my eyes started to close, so I fixed it. I burned off my eyelids so I could see myself in my new face forever. Jeff's mother slowly backed away, realizing that her son was now insane. What's wrong, mommy? Aren't I beautiful? Yes, son, she said. Yes, you are. Let me go. Get daddy so he can see your face. She ran into her room and shook Jeff's dad from his sleep. Honey, call the hospital or the police. We, she stopped as she saw Jeff in the doorway holding a knife. Mommy, you lied, was the last thing either of Jeff's parents heard as he gutted them both. His brother Lou woke up, startled by some noise. He didn't hear anything else, so he just shut his eyes and tried to go back to sleep. 
As he was on the border of slumber, he got the strangest feeling that someone was watching him. He opened his eyes, just as Jeff's hand covered Lou's mouth. Jeff slowly raised the knife, ready to plunge it into Lou. Lou thrashed, trying to escape his brother's grip. Shh, Jeff said. Just go to sleep. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Sabina Graves, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edit by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley and Mari Carlson. Produced by Annalise Nelson and Marquia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.